Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men greased the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History that's Memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongracemagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. And I'd like to welcome Joe Squires to the show tonight. Joe is going to be here momentarily. And as soon as he's here, we'll get started in the interim. We'll start talking about a few things and uh, wait for Joe until he comes on. A couple things that came up during the course of the past few weeks since our last show. One thing that has been going on uh, and caused a lot of different opinions, expressions of opinion, frustration, so on and so forth, is what's going to actually happen to the NFL season. What is going to be going on? Are we going to have and play in front of fans, are there going to be no fans, so on and so forth. It's a very, very big issue that is going to be played out 
over the next few months. And because of this, it's going to be even more interesting to see what actually happens if they play with no fans in front of the players of the game. It's going to be a very, very interesting issue. It's going to be an issue that plays out uh, over the next few months. And as such, it's going to be something that really uh, will impact the game, to say the least, especially if people are not going to be in front of the or in the stands watching the game, so on and so forth. I have no clue what's going to happen over the next few months. I'm truly hoping things get back to normal as fast as possible. But at the same time, seeing what NASCAR just did this past week and do a race in front of no fans and to see one of the uh, European soccer matches uh, being played in front of no fans, it's it's kind of interesting to see w- which direction the NFL goes into. Obviously, baseball has been in a, in a major uproar on it because some of the players are not um, – uh, too keen about playing at, for a very reduced rate of pay, but realizing that ticket sales do drive revenue, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that is applied to the NFL at the same time. The other point uh, to make before uh, Joe comes on and our guests come on is trying to figure out what's going to happen to the national. Uh, it's already been uh stated that the national is going to be held and rescheduled in December. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, if they're going to actually go through with the show and, or if they're going to just wait until next year with regards to who um, are rescheduling of it for 2021 and hopefully have that go through at the same time. So we don't under, we don't know what's going to happen there. With regards to the national, if it actually is going to come through in December or not, my gut feeling is it's not going to be going through, and it's just a very, very poor time with regards to setting up a show right before the holidays and the holiday season. Plus, you don't know the weather in New Jersey. You have uh, could have issues with snow, bad weather, ice, so on and so forth. So I got a feeling uh, it may not be very well attended if it actually goes through and you're not going to get a lot of of uh, fans, collectors, so on and so forth going through the show and the show starting um, and ending, I'm sorry, ending on a Wednesday, which is much more uh, difficult for people, especially at that time frame, to attend the show Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just hoping for a big show big amount of people on Saturday and Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out at the same time. A couple other points to to look at. We've got a big issue coming up for uh, our summer issue for Good Iron Greats Magazine. Some very interesting articles are, up, are going to be forthcoming. And again, if you're not a subscriber to Good Iron Greats Magazine, please check us out at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. And has all the information if you want to order any back issues, if you want to obtain uh, a one, two, or three-year subscription. We also have online PDF issues available that you can purchase. So by all means, please check out our website at gridirongreatsmagazine.com for 
ordering information on our magazine. A couple other pieces to go over and to look at. There's been a, an enormous amount of auctions going on while things are not operational in person as far as shows, stores, so on and so forth. Talking to a couple of dealers over the past few weeks, they've said they've seen a massive uptick in the amount of sales they've had for older material. Individuals are, I, I guess, getting an itch to buy something. They are buying things, so on and so forth. And as such, their sales have, have definitely gone through the roof, to say the least. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the the course of the rest of this year with regards to increased sales for dealers. Does this really mean we're going to need shows in the future if we can obtain the same amount of sales online? Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what really happens one way or the other with regards to how the hobby reacts with regards to the lockdowns and the distancing that is necessary and implemented by many state governments here in our country. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I know in my own world of individuals contacting me to ask questions about certain items, cards, so on and so forth, possibly lead them in a particular direction with regards to buying something or if I had it in inventory, so on and so forth, I have seen a a definite uptick as far as people contacting me for certain things and items, so on and so forth. I've also seen a a slight uptick as far as individuals buying particular back issues of Gridiron Greats magazine for their collection and or for looking at one or two articles in the magazine that they want to use as reference with regards to what they're collecting, what they're researching or studying, whatever the case may be. So it's interesting to see that kind of renewed uh, demand in the market for certain things and a renewed, and obviously the only alternative, buying things online, buying things through auction, so on and so forth. And in this case, the individual uh, collector and individual dealer being both satisfied in their transactions they're making based upon that. So again, getting back to Gridiron Greats Magazine, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Check out our website for more information with regards to uh, back issues and or if you're interested in purchasing any type of PDF back issues at the same time. A couple comments I got from the last issue also uh, included some discussion on the Pottstown Firebirds uh, article uh, that was written by an individual who is a huge, huge uh, historian, fan, collector of the Pottstown Firebirds, and that's Bruno Balthazar. And an interesting point that he made, and it's going to be coming up in the next part, in the next issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine, talking about the Pottstown Firebirds, is the great quarterback, great in the sense that he was very, very flamboyant. He did have some pretty good games. He had a relatively interesting career, to say, say the least, and that's King Cochran. And 
the part three of his article series, which is going to be in the summer issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine, is going to talk about King and talk about a lot of different things that occurred with him and, and went on with him with regards to the uh, his his what could be viewed in two different ways, his short-term and his long-term career as far as being a Pottstown Firebird quarterback. King was a very, very uh, eclectic, to say the least, quarterback. He was one who was very, very uh, unusual, interesting, to say the least, with regards to how he conducted himself on and off the field. And as such, it's it's, uh, very interesting to say the least, um, his career there and so on and so forth. So it's going to be interesting reading with regards to seeing King in the next issue and the part three of the Pottstown Firebirds. We're also going to have the second part of an article that received a lot of comments, and that's Mike Bonner and Carl Lamondola's article on the 1977 Tops NFL Mexican football set. And we're going to see and read about some more interesting aspects of that set. 1977 Mexican set. I go back many, many years. Back to a show probably roughly between 1983 and 1985. I first discovered the Mexicans at that show. I picked up one card just to look at it to see what it was like. I would have to look at my files to see how much I paid for it. I don't think it was much at all, probably 50 cents or a dollar. And uh, I I hate to say it, but I really didn't like that. I really didn't like it at first. And then as it grew in popularity over the years, I still only have a handful of those cards in my collection. They're very interesting, very odd. The tops would actually do something like that, but then I also understand marketing was much different at that time as compared to what we have today, and obviously they thought there was going to be a market for those cards in Mexico. Obviously there wasn't, and that's how uh, legends become developed in the card hobby with regards to uh, cards sets that at the time they were Printed really didn't make it. The classic warehouse buys are made, and as such, the uh, demand becomes very, very heated for many collectors. And in this case, the master set collector of all 528 cards are minimal. Team set collectors are very active. Individual player collectors are very active, so on and so forth. And as such, it it creates uh, a demand for those cards. But again, in my case, I I have a handful. I probably have a dozen of them in uh, relatively nasty condition. And as such, uh, with regards to collecting them, I would probably only continue to hold and, and to look for my Packers cards and in the Packer cards, uh, not worried about condition, but just getting one of each if I could and uh, enjoying them that way at the same time. I've, came to, I've come to the conclusion over the years, and as I grow older in the hobby, I'm more concerned having a type card on some of these uh, more difficult sets to collect than worry about collecting 
the entire set. And even though the set is only 43 years old, it's a relatively new set, but still it's very difficult to find, uh, you know, and complete. As such, it it is a, uh, a, a you know, a, a very, very difficult set to collect, to say the least. And as such, it is a uh, uh, a tough tough set to collect one way or the other. All right. I'm still waiting to hear back from Joe. I know he's having a a couple issues right now as far as uh, getting on. So I believe our guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him. And we'll start our interview a little earlier. And uh, hopefully Joe Joe will be able to join us as we come uh, more into the show. This time I'd like to welcome our special guest. He has an amazing collection of football autographs and is owner of the website, theprofootballhobbyden.com. And I'd like to welcome to the show this evening, Mr. Denton Foifer. Denton, welcome to the show. Hey there. How are you? Thanks for having me. How are you? Thanks for being on tonight. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I'd like to start off, and, and we've got, we got a few extra minutes here, but um, I, I'm very impressed by your website. I, I stumbled upon it uh, from a, uh, another website, which had a reference to your, your website. And uh, I'm truly amazed reading everything and, and seeing uh, what you've been able to collect and uh, to see that you've had a real passion for the hobby uh, at a very oh, well, young age, you. at the same <laughs> So I'm going to start off by yeah. asking you, how did you get started in collecting football autographs? Well, um, I've always loved I've loved football, um, pretty much since I guess I was really old enough to know what it was. I remember the first football game that I really watched and, and all that stuff. Um, so it really started when my my grandpa just thought it would be cool to um, give me an autographed picture and he actually gave me a 16 by 20 picture signed by Alabama Heisman winner, Mark Ingram, um, shortly after the 2009 national championship game, which of course Alabama beat Texas in that game. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was the first autographed item that I received from someone. And then it took, it took a little bit after that to actually start wanting to collect autographs, but come the next year for Christmas, he asked me if I wanted another one. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. This one looks cool in my room. So I picked out, uh, Dante Hightower, another Alabama player, um, well-known Patriots star now. But So I got another signed picture. And then um, one day down in Tuscaloosa, we were actually able to meet Kenyon Drake, who's uh, another Alabama player. I'm a huge Alabama fan, born and raised. So I was able to meet him. And then that's where it started taking off because I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I want to get some more collections and stuff. And I went from wanting to just get any signature to liking pack pulled and sticker autos and stuff from Tops and Panini and from like the 2000s, 2010s, the kind of stuff that now people are going crazy about the prism and all that stuff. So now I, I focus on vintage football cards and autographs and through the mail signatures and all that kind of stuff. So it's been a, a ride. Wow. I've probably been collecting about five or six years at this point. Now I got to, I got to give you my Alabama connection, which is, is somewhat convoluted. I have a good friend of mine who graduated from Auburn in, in the late 1960s, and he's a big Auburn fan. And 
big uh, reader of Gridiron Greats magazine. We've known him for years. He invited uh, my wife and I down to his condo in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which we went down there in February and uh, had a real nice uh, visit there with him. And uh, what was interesting was one of the um, – and this is somewhat non, non-football related – but they have a mutual, they have a friend down there who we went to Auburn with who ended up being a um a I don't know, probably a, I, I think you describe him as a state judge down in Alabama and he was also head of one of the bigger prisons down there after he was a judge. And we all had dinner one night and we ended up talking uh football for a couple hours. So it was pretty interesting to hear their take on the Auburn and Alabama rivalry down there and it's interesting to hear you're a big Alabama fan, so it's, it's very very interesting to to hear it. So uh, I just had to get that in, and I do got to. I have to say this: we really fell in love with Alabama when we were down there, even though we were on the coast. Uh, real I, beautiful state, very very nice, and people were so friendly. We're not used to it up here in Connecticut, so that's yeah. a big difference. <laughs> but yeah, was, I'm, uh, a, I'm a huge fan of the coast, Orange Beach, Gulf Shores down there. It's a really nice area. Great. Yeah. Great people, lots of yeah. good food, nice beach. Definitely like that. Yeah, it, for was, sure. it was it was great, and um, it, we were so fortunate to get the trip in before all this COVID nineteen stuff hit. Uh, so oh, yeah. uh, we were able to get. Sure. Yeah, we, we actually got down there and uh, and got back home before uh, a lot of the travel was uh, was uh, shortened, so on and so forth. So it was. Uh, well, that's really good. Trip. Yeah. We we enjoyed it. We definitely want to go back there. Now, all right, you gave us a little um, intro on how you started collecting football autographs. Tell us about your website, because I, I find it fascinating. Uh, from your love of football autographs, you developed that website, and it's a very interesting website. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, so I would say for the last about year or so, I've um, I started, I would say, a year and a half to two years is how long I started collecting vintage football cards and focusing explicitly on hall of fame football autographs and stuff like that. Um, so I would say for about the last year, I've wanted to have a forum in which I could share my collection. Cause I've been like starting to get like the higher end, the cooler items that I'm like, Oh yeah, that's like, you know, the cool ones, like the Jim Brown rookie cards and the Joe Montana rookie cards and the big names that people are like, Oh yeah, that's like one of the, the bigger cards. And I wanted to talk about that and stuff. And through through that, you know, love of vintage, I've also grown to be like, oh, well, like a lot of people now are so crazy over Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Julio Jones, all the modern guys that they just, I guess, don't remember the Bobby Mitchells and Willie Davises and, you know, those guys from back in the day. And it's like, well, I'd love to, you know, learn about them more. So I started watching – a lot of documentaries and reading this, reading stuff and trying to develop like, I guess, an opinion about the hall of fame. So then I'm like, you know what, this is a good opportunity to make a website where I can talk about both football history and um, my autograph collection, because I, I typically only focus and buy autographs of guys that played, you know, later than the eighties for the most part is my, my main focus. So like, I guess there's a lot of people out there that are all going crazy to get the newest talents and the big guys now and they're paying insane show prices for them. When at the same time I can get multiple, you know, legends like hall of famers, like guys that are going to go down as one of the best 
you know, right now it's 300 some odd players in the game. So I guess mm-hmm. I just thought that that would be a great opportunity to talk more about the older guys with how much is surrounding the newer guys right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, it's anytime in, in a hobby when a, a player gets, this is just my experience. I got a few years on you. I've been in a hobby since 1965. <laughs> so, uh, you know, anytime you got a hot player, uh, there's becomes an immediate demand for the player's cards. And in, in the case of autographs for his autograph, and that really drives the prices way up. And then if they're a one-year wonder, if their career is defined by only one year and they're never really, you know, they're not Hall of Fame material, so on and so forth, or they start bouncing around from one team to another and, they, you know, their, their performance is way down, it's going to be interesting to see where that price of the autograph and the card peaked at X amount of dollars to being worth maybe 10 or 20% of what that was at one time. You know what I mean? Exactly. So to yeah. me, there's, a, there's, there's much greater value in the long term if you're looking at it from a value point of view or if you're looking at it trying to buy something and, you know, try to preserve your investment down the road. This, for an established player, a Hall of Fame player, there are a lot of them overlooked, and, and they are, you know, very, very relatively inexpensive compared to the newer player obtaining their autographs, so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a good logic that you follow with regards to, you know, looking at some of the older players rather than just worrying about the newer players right now, which, in my opinion, really don't have long careers anymore. And, you know, with the exception of a Tom Brady or a Rodgers or a couple other players, they're really, you know, they knock around from one team to another, and they basically have a mediocre, you know, yeah, mediocre career to say the least. So, it's uh, it's interesting to see that. Now, on your website too, I was very impressed with your blog that you have on that. Tell us, uh, our listeners, about what's involved in your blog. And I'm I'm looking. I read your latest one from May 18th on uh, Johnny Nyland from the Cowboys, and uh, very interesting. He played for the Cowboys and then for the Eagles the last two seasons, big all-pro guard. How did that come about? And tell us a little bit about your blog. Like, so in the last few, I would say the last, like, few months, I've become almost more interested in building a connection with a player and talking to the actual player than the autograph. Um, I would say, like, when I started the blog, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be a pretty cool idea to get people. I originally just wanted to start it to, like, share tips about how to get autographs through the mail and talk about, you know, my collection and then talk about the Hall of Fame. Because part of when I was making it, it was um, big in on the centennial celebration and, oh, who are the candidates going to be for the NFL 100 team? Who's going to be the um, the enlarged Hall of Fame class of 20 members? And who's going to do all that and, like, there's a bunch of people reaching back and trying to think, oh, you know, this guy from that played in the 50s, oh, this guy that played in the 60s, so on and so forth. So I was interested in that. But then I was like, you know what, it'd be pretty cool if I could actually get to talk to some of these guys. Because I'm like, yeah, I definitely think, um, I'll say Max Beatty just because he's the guy on my mind. I definitely think Max Beatty has a career that could land him in Canton. I'm like, but what if I got to speak to Max Beatty like back before he passed away and like, get to know the guy. So I, a big inspiration mm-hmm. for me on this was actually Todd Tobias with Johnny Robinson. I was like, you know, that'd be yep. pretty cool yep. to, to find a player that I could talk to and build a connection with. 
and actually, you know, speak with. So the first guy that I reached out to was actually Eddie Metter. I reached out to him shortly after the blog was made, and I was able to make um, contact and figure out an interview time for him, and I got to spoke with, speak with him about that. So that was the first one I did a while ago. Um, and then I was, I've been shopping since then for other guys. I've been asking, sending letters to players, asking see if I can get anyone that would be okay with interviewing. I've done all sorts of things to try and um, encourage it. And then I actually got a response back from John Nyland, as you mentioned. And so that was an incredible experience. Um, I definitely loved Mr. Nyland. It was a great conversation that we had. I actually got to Zoom with him um, the other day. I would say oh, about wow. two weeks ago is when we when we talked. So I he let me record the whole thing. So I'm going to have that memory forever um, right there. And that was definitely special. So like I said, I, I kind of feel like developing a relationship with the players is almost at this point, you know, more re- like rewarding than just chasing after autographs. Um, so there's been a few guys recently that I've just, you know, gone after. Um, unsuccessful ones, of course, I went after Bart Starr to see if I could reach out to Bart Starr. That was before I had the blog. I really just wanted a chance to meet Bart Starr as an Alabama fan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the big eight Alabama Hall of Famers. And um, I wanted a chance to meet Mr. Starr before he passed away. And unfortunately, that, that didn't happen. But um, so he was the I would say he was the first one. That was the brainchild of the um, – the operation here, but um, there's some other interviews that are in the works right now. Um, a few guys that I'm definitely looking forward to talking to as well as um, a few guys that I am working on reaching out to at this moment as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Bart Starr was my childhood hero. I have a pretty big collection of Bart Starr items. I do have a few of his autographs though, but I did not, I never got a chance to meet him in person and I never had a chance to correspond with him over the years. Um, but it, he was uh, he was one of a kind. And he was a real old-school uh, player. Uh, really got, you know, to me, uh, was not utilized the way he should have been utilized his first few seasons with the Packers, but everything turned out okay uh, afterwards. It was a great player, great man, great legend. And uh, it's too bad you didn't you didn't uh, get to talk to him. That would have been cool. That would have been great. It, it would have been awesome for sure. Amazing. Well, talking about that and tying that in as far as uh, another thing in your in your blog too that I I liked you display the um, your you have a gallery section where you display a lot of your autographs. Two points that I want to talk about first. How do you go about getting your autographs and in looking at your gallery there? Uh, pretty impressive, to say the least. So let's start off with Thank that. Thank you. How do you, how do you get your, um, the bulk of your autographs? Well, I, I pretty much get everything now um, two ways. I either do TTM through the mail autographs. Um, a lot of the guys that I try and get now – like that um if i can i I try my best to write letters and reach out and make contact and get autographs and build um relationships through that way as i think it's it's the best way for me um being a college student and i can't necessarily fly out to different shows and visit different places i do definitely do mail-ins at shows and signings to get the bigger names because i mean when was the last time jim brown picked up a pen and signed his fan mail i, I couldn't name it so um, I definitely, correct. to get the bigger guys, I've got to reach out and do 
um, a different method, but um, the majority of my autographs come through the mail. Um, I don't really live in an area where there's a lot of shows or a lot of, um, you know, card shows or autograph signings or even, you know, in-person autograph collecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be surprised about the lack of that available in where I grew up in Marietta, Georgia, um, and it, right mm-hmm. outside of Atlanta. There's not that much access. There's not that many events as well as um, in Alabama, there's not that much over there either. So um, my collecting is pretty much limited to who I can get through the mail and who I can buy at a show. Of course I do buy on eBay as well. A lot of my cards of, of deceased players or, stars that don't sign their mail are either bought on eBay or, or from a show. So mm-hmm. I will, mm-hmm. I will say that TTM collecting has a, is a big door. Um, I believe that every player can be gotten TTM and I've seen guys like Tom Brady sign. I've seen guys like Aaron Rodgers sign the guys that people really don't think would I've seen them sign for various people. So I feel like it's all about your letter, all about how you portray yourself and all about the, um, connection that you, you know, build with them and throughout that letter, um, if they, if they can even read it, you know, half the challenge mm-hmm. is getting the letter to them. But, but um, I believe that everyone can be gotten through the mail if you try hard enough. So it's definitely fun. It's a challenge. It keeps you trying for sure. Yeah, to say the least. Now that gallery is pretty, now I, I would assume this, all, this is only part of your collection that you have in your gallery. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's probably you know looking at it, some uh, very big names there, very interesting, very tough cards, as far as uh, signing is concerned, so on and so forth, but some uh, very interesting guys too, to say the least. One card in particular that I found very interesting, uh, seeing was the Bob Sinclair 1955 Bowman card. Now to put you on the spot, how did you get that one? Was that um, a um, like an eBay buy, or how, how did that come yes. about? That one was an eBay purchase. I definitely love that card. Um, I started probably, like, that was right when I started focusing exclusively on Hall of Fame um, mm-hmm. rookie cards and stuff, and I was really looking for who all I could find um, that had passed away and that might have been a good signer to grab because um, I'll say when I started collecting Hall of Fame rookie autographs, there were a lot fewer people, I think, doing it two or three years ago than there are now. I think that within the last five years especially, that has become a big thing. Um, There's a lot of guys that want to do that. I personally know probably eight or nine guys that are just like me that focus exclusively on those Hall of Fame rookie cards. So it's definitely a a big ticket item for sure, those, those rookie cards. So I remember I just would go through, I took a list of Hall of Famers, I plopped them in a Word document, and I just wrote under each Hall of Famer how many autographs or what autographs I had of each of them. And I went through the guys that I didn't have anything of or I didn't have a rookie card of one by one and looked on eBay to see what I could find. And I just happened to find that Bob St. Clair on eBay with a starting bid of 99 cents. And I was like, okay, I'm going to win this auction. So I, I did mm-hmm. end up winning the auction. Um, it, it didn't go for nearly as much money as I thought it would. And I was definitely happy. I think I paid just over $100 for that one. And I was definitely mm-hmm. excited with that. And I, I look forward to adding an autograph grade and, um, to that as well, because that, that's a perfect signature on that card. Okay. That, that, that's very um, 
I'm I'm still looking at your gallery here. So all right, so let me let me tell you yeah, the next question. What uh what are your top five autographs in your collection? What are your five favorite five top? Well, I I would say number one, undisputed, would be my nineteen sixty five tops Joe Namath. I just I love Joe Namath. I love the nineteen sixty five top set. As an Alabama fan, Joe Namath is one of my favorite Hall of Famers. I just I love the guy. I think Mm-hmm. You can say what you want about how good he was on the field and whether or not he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but like, I mean, you just can't get more iconic than than that card to me. Like, that's just top five iconic football cards, and I put that on that list. So I bought that card raw, ungraded. Um, it's got a pretty big crease and ding on the upper left corner um, where it says new mm-hmm. in the New York font across the top there. There's a big crease. Um, the corners are soft. There's a ding in the lower corners as well, but the signature is perfect in blue with that Hall of Fame 85 inscription, and I just love that card. Um, it's definitely up there as the, something that I never want to sell. It's the, my favorite thing, and meeting Joe Namath would be icing on the cake for that experience. He's my favorite player, so that's that's undisputed number one. Now, the rest of them, that gets a little more difficult. I, I like my um, 1973 Topps Ken Stabler rookie card. That's um, also got an autograph grade of PSA 10, so it's a pretty cool card. The card isn't in that great of shape, greatest shape either, but also as an Alabama fan, that one's one of the more sought-after ones. I unfortunately started collecting um, just a few months after Mr. Stabler passed away, so I mm-hmm. had wanted that rookie card pretty much as long as I've you know, been collecting, I'd say four or five years before I found one, um, and I did find one. And it was that one. Now I own two, actually. One of them isn't in a PSA slab or on display in the gallery. Um, so hopefully I'll get that one up there soon. But um, I like my 63 Fleer Lynn Dawson. Um, that one's got a Super Bowl four MVP inscription. It's also got mm-hmm. an auto 10 grade. That card, though, is significantly nicer. It was um, bought as a PSA 6, and I cracked it out of the slab and sent it off to him through the mail to get signed. So that one was a risky play to say the least. That's my most expensive TTM request. Um, and I was mm-hmm. definitely lucky to get that one back. Um, I also love my 1978 tops, John Stallworth, mostly just because of my experience with Mr. Stallworth. And when I was able to meet him, he, my um, grandmother actually taught his sons in school, um, his son, oh, wow. John Stallworth Jr. <laughs> So, um, wow. yeah, it was, it was fun. I got to go over to his house and see him not too long. It was a good experience. I got to speak with him and have a good time there. And I was able to get that card signed as well as an 8 by 10 personalized to me, which I also don't plan on ever um, moving or selling because that's just a sentimental item to me. And so that was definitely fun. Um, John Starworth isn't exactly a huge name and highly sought after Hall of Famer. He's would fall in the category, like we talked about earlier, a lot of Hall of Fame players are less expensive than modern, mediocre mediocre players. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely put mm-hmm. him in that category. And the last the last one, I'm not sure what to put. Um, I would, I think I might go modern and put my 2011 Topps Chrome Julio Jones rookie card, just because okay. Julio was the first player that I, as a kid, you know, truly, you know, fell in love with, I guess. There was he was the first guy that I looked up to. I was Julio's biggest fan all through his Alabama career. And then I absolutely was ecstatic when he is now playing for my hometown Atlanta Falcons. So 
he's mm-hmm. he's up there for sure. And I was actually able to meet him in person too to get that signature. So um, that's one that I'll keep forever as well. And it's got that PSA 10 autograph. I do work on the PSA DNA um, Hall of Fame registry, which is um, based off of autograph grades. Uh, and I try and fill as many rookie cards in as I can. However, there's a few of them that I I doubt I'll be able to get anytime soon, if not ever. Um, 48 Bob Waterfield would be one of those for sure. But um, so that one is going to be in that registry when Julio Jones retires and five years later is inducted into the Hall of Fame. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's pretty neat. That's a pretty impressive top five too. And again, looking at Thank your you. autographs there, it's, it's uh, very interesting to see. And, and again, you know, you've got a great mix of players there, and you've got, you've got a lot of classic older players and a lot of a lot of very interesting newer players at the same time. Now, at this time, are you. are you looking for any particular autographs, and in particular who, who they may may be? Uh, I am actually looking for some. I'm I'm in most cases always looking to buy cards um, when I have you know extra money. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to improving my collection. My end goal, my Mount Rushmore, would be Alabama's eight Hall of Famers on rookie cards with perfect ten signatures, as nice of a card as I can get them on. So that would be Don Hudson, Bart Starr, Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, John Hanna, Ozzie Newsome, um, Dwight Stevenson, and Derek Thomas. So I have mm-hmm. all of them on their rookie cards with ten signatures except for um, Don Hudson and Bart Starr. So Bart Starr is the one that I'm currently after. I found a seller that has a Don Hudson. Um, I negotiated a price with him, and I am currently working on um, funding that purchase um, Mm -hmm. as we speak. So that one hopefully will be added soon. Um, But that 1957 Topps Bart Starr definitely is a high-dollar card. It is a sought-after card, and I would be pickiest far as the signature goes because it would be you know one of my mount rushmore cards so um that's the number one that i'm looking for right now there are a few other ones that i'm after Um, 1948 leaf harry gilmer he was alabama's first and only first overall draft pick um a 1951 bowman ernie stauntner rookie card um i definitely love to pick up one of those as well as a 1964 top buck buchanan rookie card a 1965 tops winston hill as well so um, I'm big into mm-hmm. the 60s. I love the 60s, the AFL, NFL. Um, I definitely love the 60s AFL cards, those um, Fleer cards, the Tops cards, the Tall Boys, the 66 Tops with that old TV-like design. I love those cards, mm-hmm. and those are um, my favorite years to collect. So um, I want to get those Hall of Famers from that era as well. I also don't have a run mix, so I need to get a 60 run mix. But um, those are the ones I'm after. I, I know that wow. my gallery um, is not quite complete. Um, I've got a ton of cards that are not up there. That's a very small portion of what I've got. Um, I only put those up there because they were in PSA slabs. Uh, I didn't okay. want to put any raw ones up there for now just because scanning all my raw cards would be a really long and tedious process. So I figured as I, mm-hmm. as I slabbed them, I would put them up there. I'm, I guess, fairly new to getting PSA slabs in my collection. I've only been sending those out for the last year, year and a half. So that's what I've bought slabbed or gotten slabbed um, myself in, the, in that time period. So 
hopefully I'll um, work on adding more pictures. I also look for a more supportive, um, I guess, photo gallery than the one that's currently on the website. I'm going to look and see what I can find for that just because with the number of pictures that I would have, it would definitely be overwhelming. But, right, 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 exactly. Well, that's a pretty impressive uh, lot list at this time. And, again, I, I wish you a lot of luck with that. That's that's amazing to to say the least. Thank you. Especially uh, Thank you. the Bart Star rookie uh, actually uh, signed. I mean, that's that's a, an amazing feat if you can pull that off. Now, do you collect any other yeah. football items other than autographs, or is just that? Or, or if you do collect other items, what, what are they? Um, I don't collect that many other items. Um, the majority of my collection, I focus on football cards. So I, I don't want to say there's no space, but there's there's not really any space or, I guess, money to go towards other things just because of how much I love this collection. Um I've got a few photos of various players that I like or various players that I've gotten in person or gotten to meet around my um, room and office on display just because, you know, I like to have decoration in there. I also have um, – there's one full-size helmet that I have that I'm getting all of Nick Saban's first-round draft picks that I can to sign. So I've got a few guys on that helmet. And outside of that, I really don't have anything else besides the um, – Besides the football cards that I collect, well, that's understandable because you got a you got a yeoman task there trying to uh, collect what you're collecting. So it's it's very very impressive to say the least. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. How old are you? You're very young. I'm 20. I'm 20. Wow, unbelievable. You're you're the youngest <laughs> guest we've ever had on the podcast here <laughs> for the years. <laughs> But I, I was I was just amazed because I, I had a feeling I, I I figured you were young because you said you're still in college, and I'm just uh, yes. I, I'm amazed at what you've been able to put up with uh, put put together so far uh, with well, your collection. You. So that, that that's amazing to say the least. Now, do you have any thank you suggestions for a beginning collector, football autograph collector? What what do you think could you offer them with regards to um, starting a collection of, uh, you know, possibly similar to what you have or different or whatever the case might be? Well, what I what I started doing was um, I just found what I really was passionate about. So I would say that I, I just love those vintage football cards, those Hall of Fame cards, the 50s, 60s, 70s. That's my favorite thing. So once I found that, it was pretty easy to – I guess, focus on what I wanted because when I started collecting, I kind of was like unable to really build a big collection because I wasn't sure what I wanted. So I'd buy something. And then like a few weeks later, I'd be like, Oh, I kind of want this. So I'd sell the first thing and buy another thing. And while that's, I guess, in essence, what I do now, it's just, then it was kind of mindless. Um, So I would say the first thing is to find something that you're really passionate about. And then second is just to, to um, go for it. Cause with through the mail autographs, like the door is wide open with what you can get. There's so many players out there that sign their mail for underneath, like under $20, under $15. I have a whole series of three blog posts on my website where I talk about, um, I think I name in total, it's either 40 or 45 players that sign their mail for less than $15 per signature, uh, all in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that's kind of where I started was getting all those guys. And then, now I've kind of gotten to the point where I've 
sent to and gotten all of those guys, so or almost all of the ones that signed their mail um, on rookie cards. And now I'm like, well, now all that's left are the ones that you have to track down. So I guess my collecting is going to be slowed down for a little bit until I'm able to start going after that. But as far as money goes, like you don't have to buy the perfect card. Like with my Joe Namath, I bought a card that was significantly cheaper than what graded ones were. And the card's not as nice, but I love it the same as I would, even if it was like, like you don't have to go for the high dollar card to feel good about your collection because I don't know. That's just how I, how I think about it. I would say don't get hung too much on, on value. Um, Although value is a good thing. And I try to only buy things that I think will hold or maintain value. I wouldn't say that you need to focus on getting the high dollar card and, go crazy over that. Right. Right. Well, that, that's a, a, to me, a very great attitude to have for someone as young as you collecting. And then, uh, you know, it's refreshing for me to hear. Thank you. Because a lot, a lot of problems in our hobby are, are, in my opinion, drives by people who are more concerned with buying something for, let's say 10 bucks. And they got to sell for $20 right away. And that's it. And that's all they're concerned with. You know, we're more concerned with, yeah. uh, you know, the history of whatever the item is, the the providence of it, so on and so forth, that, that plays a more important role and more important um, part of collecting itself. So that, that, that's a good attitude to have, and I'm sure you're, you're going to be successful with it in the long run. I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm in awe of your collection for what you've done so far Thank at you. such a young age. It's amazing, truly amazing. Thank you. Now, if any... Anybody wants to reach you and, and talk to you, where can they um, where can they contact you through the website and give us the information on that? So my my website is theprofbhobbyden.com, and um, on that website I have a contact section. There's a, a tab to contact me, and what it does is that you fill it out and it'll just go straight to my email. So um, that's how you can get in contact with me through email. I also have a Facebook page, which is just the Pro Football Hobby Den. Um, I answer all my messages on that as well. Um, so I, I kind of post on that as well. When I post new new content, I have been doing card spotlights during the virus as I haven't been getting as much mail and or been able mm-hmm. to produce as much content. Believe it or not, I feel like I've been busier now than I was before. So the last few weeks, I haven't been able to put as much up on the site, but I've been spotlighting things. I'm planning on starting trivia as well. So if you want to check out the website or the Facebook page, both of those, you can get in contact with me through through them. Okay, that that's great to know. All right, Denton, that's that's basically what we got for today. I appreciate you being on the show, and I wish you well with uh, with your further collecting of these autographs. And I'm sure we'll be in touch down the road. Thanks for being on today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I definitely enjoyed it. So. I do plan on checking out more of your stuff and getting to know you as well. So thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate that. That's Denton Pfeiffer. He runs the profootballhobbyden.com. Incredible football autographs there. Please check it out. And uh, he gave you the contact information if you want to contact him. Thanks for being on. Thank you. You too. uh, Have a good one. With the last few minutes here, uh, Joe was unable, unfortunately, uh, to be on tonight He'll be back for our next show Two minute ra- uh, warning And our wrap up right now For the uh, show 
Long story short, again, interesting to see what's going to happen with the National at the end of the year. It's going to be interesting to see if and when any type of rebound will occur as far as shows are concerned down the road. So a lot of unknowns continue. Hopefully we can get back to normal in a very short period of time and things in our hobby will be, uh, again, normal one way or the other. I I was very impressed tonight, too, with Denton. I had had, uh, studied his website. Amazed he's that young, um, doing, collecting what he's collecting. So it's uh, a tribute to showing that our hobby is alive and well with younger people, and it is very, very dynamic, to say the least. I'm glad, glad to talk to him, and I was glad we were able to uh, discuss his collection. Again, you're not a subscriber, you want any back issues, PDF issues of Gridiron Greats Magazine, please check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. That's all I have for tonight. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back probably in a week or so with another show. Until then, take care. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.